and welcome to Creativity Conversations. This is episode 22 with the lovely, talented Sherry Ray. Hi, Sherry. So glad you could be here. Hi, Nina. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, my pleasure. This is going to be fun. I'm going to start off, as I often do, with a little bit of a heads up on what we're doing, which is the origin of this whole series came about when I started to talk to people about creativity and they were all saying, oh, I'm not creative because they think they need to be an artist and just not true. And Sherry is going to tell you why. And so what we'll do is I'll start off reading a little bit about Sherry and then ask her to tell us in her own words what she does. And we'll go from there and see how it rolls. Sherry is a coach and consultant to business leaders, teams, and individuals who are successful but feeling disillusioned, disconnected, and bored. Her clients have found they can enjoy the success they've worked so hard for and feel richly connected to life and their creative potential. Exploring creative expression without concern for a product or specific outcome, which is definitely something we want to talk about, has been one of her greatest teachers of truth. This 20-year exploration has proven to her that the only limitations that exist for human beings is in the individual's mind. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you mean by that. You know, I, I just like you said when in the beginning that p- people don't feel they're creative, you know, that they don't have a creative bone in their body or that there was one member of the family that got the allotted amount and so they had to take another role because that was the creative one now I need to be the engineer I need to be the strategic one or the linear one or you know I have to be something different than that because that that person got that spot and so oftentimes people really believe if they don't have an art material in their hand that they're not creative and I certainly thought that in the beginning I certainly thought that in the beginning and I remember the moment I had the insight I was intuitively painting, doing intuitive painting. And someone said, well, there's no mistakes. And it made me so mad. I just the back of my, ooh, the hair in the back of my neck. I was like, all my life I've lived between the lines thinking, A, I'm a mistake. And B, how can I not make any more mistakes? (laughs) And that like right after that, as I was just trying to put, touch a paintbrush to a piece of paper. And I was so contracted because I knew I was doing it wrong. I didn't know have anything to paint and I didn't know how to paint. I didn't even see until that moment that I had associated an art technique with creativity, that an art technique was required to be creative. And then at that moment, I really saw that as human beings, we have, we are creative beings, period. We're growing hair, we're growing nails, we're regenerating the cells in our body. You know, if we're female, we're kind of built to create life so you know that we can't argue with the fact that we have the physiology of creativity happening all the time that was huge for me to see that it was completely the nature of life to be creative not associated to an art material found that fascinating well it is fascinating and i would love you to share with us how you see this playing out with your clients in a business context how do you share that understanding with them you know after i had that insight in exploring how creativity will move an individual to make a mark on a piece of paper i really saw how our greatest creative project is our life. That's it. I mean, you know, we really have all of this freedom to create a life that we don't, A, we don't know we have the freedom to do that. We think there's a track. (laughs) We think there's a, a limitation to what we can create. So when it comes to executives 
or team leaders, that same uh, getting it aligned with the creative principles, really, when I say creative principles, it's like the fact that all people are creative, all people have potential for fresh thought, all people have the freedom, if they're willing to see more than what they're seeing, and that that if they orient to that versus that limitless potential versus the personal intellect that they've depended on so long, you know, that has really given them the mastery of their profession, their personal intellect. And yes, they have used, used their creativity, but possibly not consciously. And given all the credit to the source of their success to their intellect, but they then really understood that there was something sourcing their intellect. And so when they realize that there's something sourcing their intellect, then they get curious about, hmm, yeah, because that didn't come from a book, you know, whatever this new idea was that came or, you know, that it didn't come from a book, then they get curious. And then as soon as I can get them curious about what else, stop leaning so much on their intellect, you know, but highly successful people have, lots of highly successful people have used an intellectual track to get where they are, or also waited in an intellectual track. You know, they, it's safe for them to rely on their intellect in their mind. Now it's a very safe place to be in their mind. Especially when you have a board of directors or investors who are watching your every move and watching the results of every quarter, to make sure that you're, they or you are on track. Oh, exactly, exactly. Numbers don't lie, numbers don't lie. <laughs> yeah. How that can truly, yeah, numbers don't lie, but the, the source of inspiration is not the numbers, well, but inspiration a, will drive the numbers. Well, this is a great question that I'd love to explore because I'm wondering now whether there is an issue mm -hmm. about time in the creative process particularly in business, because what I'm thinking about is many business plans are very focused on the short term, this quarter, next quarter, first quarter of the following year. And yet if someone is proposing to do something, to do business in a more creative way, they may not see the results of that immediately. Mm -hmm. So I would assume that that could be a an obstacle in the process. Well, really, whether you're looking at numbers that way or not, you don't always meet your numbers, but you could suffer not meeting your numbers, or you could be more open and resilient and not meet your numbers, or you could meet your numbers, absolutely hate what you do. You could meet your numbers and be excited about what else. You could exceed your numbers. You could totally exceed your numbers. But it's, to me, the, the value of the creative process within business is the resilience of the talent, the resilience of the talent. Because I've got, I see more and more and more very highly successful, maybe, and I'll say incredibly intelligent people coming into the workforce, you know, that have been in EP and, you know, advanced placements and, you know what I mean? And then they hit the job market and, oh my gosh, they are, they're, they're disillusioned. They're bored to death. They're so dissatisfied with the work environment and they don't see that it's not related. They think it's related to their work. They don't see anywhere that it's, that it's happening inside them. They think it's the place that they, you know, they took that great offer. They got the great sign-on bonus and they think it has something to do with the place that they were. And so that part about really, if, if successful people understood more about the creative process, they would retain more talent within their organization. 
they wouldn't have all this fall off because that that disillusionment and that boredom and that that place or or the talent that has really the mastery and has been in the profession a long time and they kind of hit the wall like oh my god I have to do this for 15 more years <laughs> can't do it so I really like for them to see and start to see that the creative process is the source of their resilience. And in the, even in meeting those numbers, you know what I mean? All of that projection and all that, if they had a different relationship with all of that and that they could still keep their kind of creative channel open while all of that is happening, it's what is happening to them when they're being given those numbers, when they've been given those goals, you know? It's what's happening inside them the whole time. Well, this is very, I, I find these conversations really interesting because different guests will emphasize a different component of the creative process. And one of the things I hear you saying, which I'm not sure I've heard before, is talking about resilience and the creative process. So what, what do you mean about, what does that mean, resilience and creativity? Well, with the source of all creativity, the, you know, we all came from the same source. We all, we all came from the same source of whatever that source is. We all came from it. Nobody came on to this. Nothing was ever created outside that system. You know, whatever it is that does all this creating, <laughs> we all came from it. <laughs> So that is an infinite source of potential. It's limitless or infinite, whatever, whatever you want to use those words, you know, but it is a limitless source of potential. And so in the creative process, we can either create from our intellect, you know, which is a, a all well and good, there's nothing wrong with that, except it is limited. But it's like, okay, if I can even consider that there is an intelligence funding my intellect, you know, what if I looked outside of that? People, and a lot of people don't know there's something that is outside of their intellect. They don't know it. They don't know that. And so as we, you can get people oriented to whew, kind of relax that, wait a minute, you don't have to figure it out. You know, your intellect does not have to get on the gerbil wheel and figure all of this out because that's going to exhaust you. That's not the source of your resilience. Resilience comes, exists from that intelligence, that source that we all came from, where life will continue to come from long after we're gone, you know? So to me, resilience is that source, which is, which is funding life. That is creativity source, whatever you want to call it, synonymous for me, because it is funding life. It will fund fresh ideas. It will fund new inspirations. That's the only place it's coming from. I love that term funding. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, and, and it, yeah, it has to come through my intellect. You know what I mean? I can use, this can be my toolbox. You know, I can use the skills I've picked up. If I'm an engineering mind, if I know that just my engineering mind doesn't have to figure it out, but I could relax this and let what funds that come in here. I can pick up the baton and execute it out in the world. But that that source of, like to me, anything new that's going to solve the world's problems right now is going to come from that source because it is, it is adaptive and given us solutions since the beginning of time. That's where it's come from. And it's utilized those of us on earth to do the, put it into play, mm. to put it into play. So resilience will come from that. Like, wait a minute, if it's not completely up to me, resilience is when we sleep, we wake up refreshed. You know, what did the refreshing? I don't know, but something, <laughs> there's, there's a source that refreshes us when we sleep. There's a source that mend my skin if I tear it. It's not my intellect that's doing that. So there's there's a source behind life that is funding life. There's 
a source behind life that gets that magic egg to that sperm. <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 a all of that is what i'm referring to as resilience about wait a minute i can relax because more is available in that from that source it's a limitless source so if i can see it in my life if i can see it how my body is resilient my intellect's not doing anything if i can see how my body heals physically we just had this conversation a minute ago about physically mentally and emotionally being funded by that you know you get a reset you don't you can't stay the same amount of mad tomorrow that you are today about something it's like what created that shift inside us <laughs> yeah. That's the resilience I'm referring to. That's great. What do you think is the biggest obstacle that you see within the professional world to being willing to be more in that space of, I don't know, let's see what shows up? Because I'll say, just like you, just like you suggested a minute ago, you know, they feel like there's not time they don't have time to open their mind for that kind of uh, you know they kind of think it's an indulgence you know i don't have that kind of space but really it's not allowing for that kind of space is gonna contribute to the exhaustion the lack of inspiration on the job and and what's so fascinating is it's not even clock time it's just really teaching people that it's more beneficial to have less on their mind than more and how do you teach not them? even clock time how do you teach them that have how do you teach them to have less on their mind you know i, I kind of you know give them a couple of tips like at the end of the meeting let it be the end of a meeting you know at the end <laughs> Like, I, I love that, that this vintage thing I remember seeing as a kid when I went with my parents to Las Vegas, you know, and those blackjack dealers are dealing the table. And it always impacted me so much when the dealers would do like this, I'm done, you know, it was like they threw their hands up and they were, they walked away from the table. And to me, that's where the opportunity about when a meeting is done, done. Let me get present and do the next thing. Now that creates a lot of space versus ruminating on the personalities around the table, who you perceive to be impossible, not impossible, what you believe so-and-so is capable of, you know, you're all the time putting them in a box, putting them in a box and all that is taking all that bandwidth for that natural resilience to fill that space. You'll get no, you'll bear no fruit. You will bear no fruit from ruminating other than exhaustion, right. other than <laughs> exhaustion and burnout and, and perpetuating your stories about your work world. Do you think there's some fear involved as well in shifting over to uh, being willing to be more creative? Because if he here's my, here's a theory I'll toss out to you is that if I'm on a deadline, I have to get this done by five o'clock tonight. I cannot afford to just wing it and say, I wonder what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's a difference between winging it. There's a complete difference between winging it. But what if you could, prepare and be present with what you're working on not indulge all the extemporaneous what ifs it's like you can really get present focused and prepare for anything but worrying about how it's going to go worrying about something other than what you're preparing that's the part that i'm talking about is optional but see people think they're married people think those those things go hand in hand. They don't know that they can be separated. They think they need to worry about the presentation to have an effective presentation. It's like, oh, no, no. It's, it's the same thing about like athletes. You know, athletes train and prepare, do everything that they need to do 
to do what they do best. But if, if they go to the tee box or they go on the field and they're worried about who's going to win, who's going to win, who's going to win, who's going to win, their head is not in the game and they're going to, they're definitely not going to do their best. It's a, it's a nuance of being in the present moment with what you're doing and letting the concern and the worry of the what ifs not indulge that. Do people ask you for strategies to do that, to get, All the time. All get the time. a fresh perspective on things? All the time. And what do you say? How do you respond to that? You know, because a lot of times uh, an analytical mind needs some bullet points. I know that I know if if I can get them interested in being curious about living with less on their mind, their creative process will get enlisted and offer something to them that I know but I got to get them curious I got to get them in the game so I'll give them some tips like okay when you're done with the meeting you're done with the meeting next I I love the metaphor of like an etch-a-sketch you know it's like anytime just shake the etch-a-sketch clear the deck come back to the present moment or churning on trying to figure something out it's like mm, it's it's like running an engine with your foot on the pedal on the accelerator and idle you're going to burn out so i try to give them a little, just little tips like that like the edge of sketch or uh ruminating or living in scenarios you know, and totally that strategy of having a strategy gets in their way of being responsive to what's alive in the moment in the meeting. They think it's helpful. And it's like, oh, no, no. I kind of think of it like um, a brain surgeon. You know, I'm like going, I want a brain surgeon in my head who's present in my head, not going, well, this isn't happening the way it was supposed to go in the book. Let me think of what did the book say? It's like, no, I want to be in the moment, present and responsive to what my brain needs in that moment, you know? So it's like the, the you know, the quarterback that throws the Hail Mary pass. It's like, they, it may not be according to textbook, but something said throw and they throw the ball and win the game. You know? Good analogy. <laughs> that, that kind of thing, you know, it's like we can, yeah. we can develop mastery in all the, the topics and stuff we love, but you've got that part. Now, how can you, how can you free yourself to really do what is alive and needs to be done in the moment? And it's, it's not about not preparing. It's about not, not it's preparing with a clear mind, feeling confident. In my mind, if you're confident that you have a creative process that will serve you at the moment you need it, you know, you can really lean back and go, you know, I may not know what I'm going to say, but if I'm in this conversation and not strategizing, something will come to me in the moment that is going to be a direct fit for this moment, not for the moment that I scenarioed in my head. Mm. But we don't know we had that capacity. Yeah, I think I I agree with that. I think there's so much of an over-reliance of our intellect. But the interesting thing that we don't think about is that the mind, the analytical mind processes things in a, can't think of the right word, uh, in a sequential manner so that everything is linear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that creative process that you're referring to sees things in a much more holistic, faster perspective. Right, right. Not linear at all. Right. You know, exactly, exactly. And that can be unnerving for people because they like sequential understanding. Yeah, they're used to it. Mm-hmm. Let's think about the all of our, so many of our work practices are still based on the industrial age, based on machinery. Intellect functions like a machine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until we realize there's something else we can rely on or that, as you're saying, that's funding the intellect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And this, this occurred to me, uh, 
I don't know, yesterday or the day before, it's like, gosh, if we really understood that my intellect is like Encyclopedia Britannica, or I've got the World Wide Web. It's like both are good sources of information, but one is limitless and one is bound. <laughs> good way of putting it. <laughs> Something now, like that. I have a question for you, which I'm pretty sure I've never asked, which is, do you think that women are more aware of or more naturally creative than men? Hmm. I know physiologically we're built for <laughs> creation more than, well, I don't know. We can't really, we, we, might, we might be the incubator, but we can't even have a process to incubate until <laughs> we have the other component. So I don't really know. I don't really know. But I know I I don't think so. I don't think so. Because that that same source that's funding all creativity is breathing life into both genders. And yet, I'm just making this up, but as I, I explore love this question, but you know how it's always said that women are multitask better than men because they're women and they have households and families and children. Or connective tissue between the lobes of the brain, you know? Well, something like that. <laughs> that's, so, what, that's what the they say, you know, or that left-handed men have more connective tissue and more, are more intuitive than right-handed men too. I didn't know that. What they say. <laughs> they. So it's an, it, maybe it's more a question of conditioning. If women are brought up to be able to juggle more, I don't know, but I'm, I'm just wondering, is this a question of conditioning or um, a lot of times when someone is teaching an art class or teaching a class on personal development or spirituality, there are more women than there are men. In the class or teaching in, the class? In the class. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So why is that? Well, I certainly have an opinion on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've got is an opinion because I've, I've taught uh, in, in, in the last 20 years, I've done loads of intuitive painting workshops. And it is fascinating to me how men approach intuitive painting and how women approach intuitive painting. Now, so just, just in my non-scientific Sherry Ray observations, men come to intuitive painting and they have a harder time approaching the not known. They want a strategy. They feel like there's a right and wrong. There's a way to do it. It's they're going to be judged. They need to do it right. They don't want to be in the room not knowing. And women are much more relaxed in not knowing. And they'll stand there and go for it. But men are much more goal-oriented. And the, the concept for men, as just my observation, is they have a hard time doing something where, especially something that is inviting them to have no goal in mind, no outcome, no benchmark of win, W-I-N. You know, that's... So that's, that's, it's been fascinating to me. And I mean, it's really curious that it takes them a long time to relax and they question, question, question. They really think they're going to be judged, analyzed and given feedback on what's wrong with them. Not going to happen here. You know, it's really interesting that you're saying that because, well, you know, there's, there's, I don't know if I would call it a mythology about the nature of women and the nature of men. And there is often a huge emphasis that women have an enormous amount of self-doubt, but what you're saying, or lack of self-confidence. So it's interesting that 
you're saying that because it sounds like men are not so different. And is it, I don't know, it's a curious thing that you're pointing out because I, I can appreciate what you're saying. And I can, from my own experiences, I've seen how men will be that a little bit more reserved mm -hmm. and not necessarily saying, oh, I'm afraid or I'm, I don't oh, know. No. They oh, keep no. that to themselves, but there is still that doubt and that willingness to just throw caution to the wind. And I'd say it's a willingness to be vulnerable. They don't have a willingness to be vulnerable. And women are, uh, they're not, I mean, nobody initially is willing to be vulnerable, but they are, women are easier to catch on to a sense of safety to be vulnerable. And men don't trust that they're safety to be vulnerable. Do you think that's their, that's the conditioning that men have growing up in the Western world? You betcha. You betcha. I, I do. I, I do because it's, you know, vulnerability would be, and this is what I make up, you know, vulnerability leaves them exposed for trouble. Know, <laughs> yeah, a weakness. It would expose a weakness possibly or an inlet to be trouble. Oh, yeah, I like your word. Just not, it would, there would be not, there would not be a level of protection there. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's the, really the vulnerability. But what's fascinating though, what is so fascinating is when they, and it usually happens at the very end of a workshop, like the very end of a workshop and they've settled down a bit, you know, and they really kind of catch on that. Well, nobody's paying, nobody's paying attention to what I'm doing and they relax and they start to explore oh my gosh, their whole presence softens. In a, in, and I say softens in a very real human way. Their humanness is really there. It's not vulnerability, it's just their humanness. They're, it just They just look much softer in a human way. That makes me think about the emphasis that is uh, more and more appearing in the professional world and the, in the corporate world of transparency and quote unquote vulnerability. And and since we're still living in a world where the majority of leaders are men, that this is such a, a necessary component of leadership and also having a route for people to feel that whatever is being shared within a professional context, that there is more um, cooperation than there is competition or that, mm -hmm. that it's more collaborative than anything else. So however, we can get that across that vulnerability doesn't mean you're going to be shot by an arrow or mm -hmm. demonstrating a softness to you that it's, it really, that's what people love about human interest stories, right? That there's a, some project, some process where people are learning to overcome an obstacle and it shows their humanity it shows their weakness and their vulnerability and how they succeed in changing that and transcending that mm -hmm. and i believe that all kind of stems down to that if people knew people knew at the core of their being that they may not know how it's going to work out but their creative process will kick in and support them people on the planet, not just in the workplace, but people on the planet would feel more grounded and secure in their presence on the planet. And there wouldn't be as, as people would not be operating so much out of insecurity. If they really knew they're going to be good, they got, they're good no matter what. They don't know how, what the what is, but they're good no matter what. They would be more relaxed. You know, it wouldn't be the dog eat dog, I have to win. You know, there's all these people around the table. There's got to be a winner. 
for me to survive, there's got to be a winner and that winner's got to be me. And it's like, no, everybody at that table is past the capacity within them that they're good no matter what. May not be around that table, but they're good no matter what. Boy, there's a lot of components to this process of creativity, isn't there? Right. Right. I mean, because it's such a, it's prevalent in our lives, but it's not obvious. So I love the idea of taking, making it obvious so people, it's not so mysterious. Yes, it operates mysteriously, but it's not magical. It's like gravity. It's like, you know, like I said, an egg and a sperm, you know, it's all kind of mysterious how it happens, but it's going to happen. It does. Do you ever do intuitive painting with Within the context of coaching business people? I have. I have. What's I that have. like? You know, it is fascinating. It is fascinating to get, I'm thinking about this one situation, like 10 PhDs globally, you know, all from different countries. 10 PhDs all coming from different cultural backgrounds. I mean, from like the Ukraine to China to global PhDs, you know, because they do come to the table very protective of their intellect but again it's like by the end of it their their intellects kind of calms down and their humanity comes to the surface and it's fascinating it's fascinating how long do you spend with them in world of paint and paper and who knows what's going to show up I, on that particular one as i'm thinking it was an all-day thing you know and in the beginning they're like oh my god what are we gonna do and what could we possibly do here for all but again you know they as they settle in and then it's it's really so fascinating that they don't want to kind of break the space afterwards because parts of them have relaxed that have not had the opportunity to relax because they've been kind of on a treadmill their mind has been on such a treadmill and they've gotten a break from that and they feel so different in their mind. They can't see why. So I try to teach them the understanding about, well, why does it feel so different? It's not about the paper. It's not about the brushes. It's about how much of your mind has laid down in this, just in this time. Do you think that's, um, again, a safety issue for them or is it habit. a number of fat? Oh. Habit, habit, absolute habit. Cause they've been, and we've all got that, you know, we all did that. It's like, oh, let me get this degree and then I'll get that degree and then I'll get this job and then I'll get that job. Then I'll relax and then I'll get the, and it's like that carrot always gets moved, always gets moved. Cause we're always looking for a, a better feeling, a better time. If I What's get this, next? I'll <laughs> next. <laughs> you know, they'll always be, we, and we, if we don't wake up that that moment, no future moment's ever going to be better than this moment, right. that the depth is in this moment, but that's, that's a tough one for people to get because we are so trained to think our circumstances are going to be what brings us our peace. Say more about that. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's like, um, you know, as a culture, we believe that if I get the right job, the right partner, the right house, the right neighborhood, the right car the right title on my business card, you know, that I can then rest and feel relaxed in the world. It's like, well, that's not where it comes from. You know, it, that's never where it comes from, from our circumstances ever, because it's like, okay, well, how come that family in India is in that, in the ghettos of India <laughs> in a cardboard shed and they have more love than their heart can hold, you know, they're, they've got this abounding heart of love and peace and they have nothing. And we have, in this country especially, we have so much material support and people are not rest, I'll say resting in peace in their day. They are not resting in peace in their day. It's like, because they, they don't know where that peace exists. 
They really don't know that under, not under, but some, that they're, the, of what sourcing their life is where it's the source of peace. That energy that is sourcing their life is, is the source of peace. So some people might think that's a really esoteric statement. Oh, I know, woo-woo and, uh, you know, silly and all that stuff. But it's like people experience it, you know, when they go on vacation or they're taking a road trip or they're in the shower, you know, and their mind quiets down and they think it's Costa Rica. You know, they think <laughs> they think it's the fast, speedy car. It's like, no, you finally just unburdened your mind and, and just settled into the moment. And they think it's the beach, you know? It's like, no, you just settled into the moment and let all that was on your mind come and go and you'll feel peaceful. It's so simple. It is so simple. It, it's so simple, but, it, you know, as human beings, we just have human frailties and we muck it up. You know, we complicate things, we make things complex. And that's not a problem to be solved. We just can understand that as human beings, our individual intellect can complicate anything. And does. And does. And if it's looking real complicated, you got to know you have climbed way up into your head and that there's a simpler solution. <laughs> it's a simpler the solution. Moved. And the ladder has moved, you know what I mean? <laughs> and the waters are rising. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> For anybody who's on the call, I'm going to invite you to raise your blue digital hand if you have a question, or you can put a question in the chat box. And while we are waiting for any of you who are shy, I'm going to read something else from your more extensive bio oh, no. and ask you about it. Sherry is committed to lighthearted learning. So that's what I want to talk about and to supporting your clients in following their internal spark while seeing the simple and what looks complex. In her decades of exploring the spiritual nature of life while navigating life in real time, Sherry sees where true leverage comes from. What do you got to say about that? You know where I think true leverage comes from? <laughs> Bottom line, if I really saw, if I really saw that I don't have to believe what I think, true leverage. I do not have to believe or address every thought that comes into my mind. And the less of them that I address, or I get into the, the leverage comes. So how do you know which ones to pay attention to and which ones not? Let them all go. Let them all go because that intelligent fine life is going to move your body. It's going to move you to the next thing. You don't have to decide. Have you noticed that? You don't have to decide. It's like you'll find yourself doing something and you didn't have to decide. <laughs> you'll be inspired to send that email. You know, you'll be inspired to just, you know, maybe you have a to-do list and you're like, man, I could do that. No problem. But I don't have, you know. You're not just driving yourself like a taskmaster. Yeah. And you don't make up that you are worthless because you didn't do it. That's the kind of stuff I'm saying. <laughs> let those, if we let more of that stuff flow through versus addressing, you know, we let that leverage. I would get off of the suffering wheel if I did, if I knew I could let that stuff flow through. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of this because I want to go to Marianne because she's got her hand raised, but... Do you remember that old Bob Newhart show when he played a therapist and that very oh, famous favorite. clip of client comes in and she explains her problem and he says it's going to be a five minutes and five dollars and she explains her problem and he says just stop it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And right. she said but you don't understand I'm afraid of being buried in a box. When I think about being buried in a box I terrorize myself and he's right. like stop it. <laughs> just just that you know like just, just the other day, 
just the other day, I had the most horrifying thought come through my head about my mother's health and well-being. And beautifully, my intuition said, get out of there. I mean, it was just that blunt, get out of there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't have to go there. She's fine. You know what I mean? But it's like those moments where all that, I'll say, debilitating thought comes through and we give our attention to it, and we drop into a low mood, we drop into a place of insecurity. So it's like, if we, the more of that stuff we let pass through, the less time we spend in an insecure state of being. And that's the leverage going, wait a minute, that's the leverage. If we're more grounded and stabilized, you're gonna be a freer thinker. You're gonna have more fresh ideas. You're gonna be more collaborative with people you don't understand and don't even like. You even get, you don't have to like them to collaborate with them. You know what I mean? You'll just be a freer thinker, freer minded on all of that. You don't have to entertain all that. That to me, that's great leverage. You mean I don't have to address everything that comes in my mind or make it about me. Like there must be something wrong with me that that thought would come in my mind. Yeah. Try to stop them. Monks on a mountain can't stop them. So quit beating yourself up about what comes into your mind. Let it go. Wise words. Go to Marianne. Hello. Uh, Sherry, it's really nice to see you. And I appreciate all that you are sharing. This, um, this seems to be so much more about what's up for me in my life right now. And so one of the things that I've become a lot more aware of is the importance of exactly what you're saying is staying present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And this uh, isn't easy and seems to require practice. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, it's, it's easy to say it. It's another thing entirely. Mm -hmm. to live with enough awareness, just like you were saying to go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't, I don't need to go there with that. And yet I have found in a, a recent job situation that ended up being toxic that I did end up thinking there was something wrong with me when there wasn't at all. Absolutely. So my question is how, or do you have suggestions or ideas on how to practice kind of coming back to the present moment. Absolutely. And one of the key things I think is helpful, that if I start to notice I have a lot of me on my mind, I am really in Chernobyl, you know? If I have a lot of me on my mind, I am not in the truth about life. And it's like, anytime we're so self-conscious that we have a lot on our mind, it is debilitating to our sense of well-being, first off. So it's like, okay, whew, that's just kind of a key thing to kind of become aware of that if I have a lot on me of me on my mind, I'm in a very deep, deep, un, unproductive track. How can I come back to what's happening in this moment? You know what I mean? Just come back to the present moment it, because you're not the problem. You know, our, 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 our personal intellect makes a problem almost of anything we focus on a lot of times, you know, like, like something happens in our life that was uninvited, you know, we did everything to uh, uh, get it right. So it didn't happen, you know, and if I'd gotten it right, it wouldn't have happened and all that I stuff, me stuff is like, oh, that's, that's a minefield, you know, that can, that can be a very loving practice about just taking you off your mind you know it's like you know what would really be what would really be helpful to me right now 
what would be helpful? You know, I did that with a, a six-year-old the other day and I found it so fascinating. You know, he had stumped his toe and he was having a meltdown or whatever it was. And I, it, it would never cross my mind before, but in that moment, I just knelt down. I looked at him, I said, what would make it better? You know, and he said, an ice cube and a paper towel. I said, I can do that. You know what I mean? So now it's like, it's so clear to me. It's like, wow, just in this moment, what would make it better? It's like, well, take me off my mind. I'm not the problem I think I am. <laughs> take me off my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's really a continual practice and a process unfolding. And I'm still in that process of coming to understand what might be next for me, but the truth of it is, I just don't know. So it's trusting that process, right? In in the present moment to see what might happen next. It's not about driving myself crazy, trying to find another job or do all of that. Mm -hmm. It really is about trusting uncertainty and for me, trying to stay out of fear. That's one of the bigger things that that I end up kind of falling back on. All right, but because we use our creative process, Marianne, like in that moment, we're using our creative process against us. You know, if I'm really chewing off my own leg is what a, a phrase I use. I'm chewing off my own leg, having a lot of me on my mind. I'm creating, but I'm using my creative process against me. And all that bandwidth that I don't really realize I'm utilizing is now distracted from seeing opportunity. It's not free space to see opportunity where you might, something might pop in your mind about call so-and-so. I'm going to send such and such an email, you know, or you see somebody at the grocery store and you strike up a conversation or you just see opportunity. Like it's just an insight, you know, you're like, God, I hadn't thought about that, that, or that. That very valuable bandwidth of your creative process is very practical. You know, it can either be consumed by non, you can use your creative process in non-helpful ways or you can use it in support of you. And it is practice. It is redirecting. You know what I mean? It's like, no, no, no. Swipe left. Yeah. What? Uh, yes. Yeah. Just get out of that. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure which it is. I don't either. I don't either. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm distant from that apping. So <laughs> thank you, Marianne. Thank you, Marianne. I would love it if you would talk about the spiritual nature of life, because in your more extended bio, which I didn't read, but I may end up reading, is that your experience in building and selling three successful businesses while exploring the spiritual nature of life brings an all-inclusive understanding for living successful and meaningful lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I used to think that, that you're on a spiritual path and then you have a professional track, you know, like somehow... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this track and that track. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Au contraire. It's all the exact same thing. You know, it's all the exact same thing. Meaning that regardless of where life puts us, the spiritual nature of life is with us, you know, which is that intelligence that we talk about that is funding our life. People feel like it doesn't get in the elevator and go up to the 19th floor. It's like, oh, yeah, it does. You know what I mean? If we... <laughs> All business is made of people and what possesses all, what, what runs every life of every human in any corporation, the spiritual nature behind life, you know, this limitless capacity of life. If you have employees that their hearts are beating, you know, that's the spiritual nature of life funding their life. So any corporation is human beings and, you know, you typically can't use, you know, woo-woo language. You, 
he would use it, you know what I mean, in a consciousness conference, but you certainly can talk about mindset. You know, you certainly can talk about how that handicaps employees. You can certainly talk about innovation, fresh ideas, new thinking, fresh solutions, collaboration. You know, all that is the spiritual nature of life. And it's in a, couched in a language that's acceptable. Exactly. I mean, they may like to call it talent, but they're still people. <laughs> but I think that that's what you are so good at is being able to speak to people, speak to people in a corporate environment or a business setting in a way, and you meet them where they are. So you're speaking the language that they can relate to. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, yeah. And you know, I have a background of one of my businesses was in oil and gas, you know? So, I mean, it was like in the, you know, you just get around the table and talk a language that they can hear on terms that they can hear. And they're all, again, still just humans around the table. And they all want the same thing. We all want the same thing. We all want to feel relaxed and peaceful and safe in our life. I don't know anybody that would reject that. This has been one of the fastest hours that I've clocked recently. Oh, wow, it is. And oh my goodness, it's been great. It's really been fun. What last words or for at least for this hour anyway, that would you like to share with people and where can people find you? What are you up to? What's next for you? Well, you know, I just, I just wish that all of us would be more compassionate with our human frailties and not see them as problems. You know, just see that as human beings, we vacillate between feeling confident not confident, secure, insecure, and it has nothing to do with with where my who holds my degree, what degree I have, zip code I live in, or anything like that. That that that's just human frailty. That no matter what, we will vacillate between feeling secure and insecure all day long. And that if I really wanted to be able to relax more with the uncertainties that life has and which have been certainly magnified lately, that that you do have a creative process within you. The notion that you don't is a lie we tell ourselves, that they, we have a creative process within us that is always, and it's benevolent, that it is a benevolent source that seeks to wake us up, that seeks to guide us to answers. And I just wish more people knew that they had that and that it's what they are, it's how they're built. It's not, it's not dependent on anything outside of them. And maybe possibly people would relax more and feel more compassionate for themselves and for other people. So, you know, I really, up to lately, I just really think listening is real important. Not listening to your own thinking, but listening to other people when they speak, you know, and really trying to hear what they're saying, not hear what I'm making up about what they're saying. So I think to me and what am I what am I not hearing that I could hear and what am I not seeing that I could see great great questions to ponder yeah in a relaxed fashion please (laughs) (laughs) not figure out but consider (laughs) just wonder about yeah 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 and your website is sherryray.com c-h-e-r-i-e-r-a-y thank you Nina this has been a wonderful fun conversation Thank you for joining me. Really enjoyed it and so appreciate what you're sharing. Please do more. Thank thank you, Sherry. (laughs) Thank you, Marianne. Thank you. Thank you all that came to the call. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Appreciate it. it.